Good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Now this morning, we are starting a new series through the book of Jonah. Uh, We'll be looking at Jonah chapter 1 this morning. And I've entitled this series, The Unlikely Response of a God-Sent Missionary. Uh, The Unlikely Response of a God-Sent Missionary. And, And the reason I chose this as we are beginning our new focus here for this year, our vision for this year to reach 10 through one, there are, there are times when we're going to be sent out on mission, and there are times when that's going to make us uncomfortable, as we're going to look at today. And maybe there, there are people in whom we might not want to be sent to, but, but God is going to send us to those people. And we're going to be asked to reach out to people that may make us uncomfortable in reaching out to them. And so I thought that, that Jonah would be a good focus for us as we begin this, this year of, of seeking to reach one for Christ. And this morning, we are looking at Jonah 1. How will God stretch you this year? How will God stretch you this year? So hopefully you found your place. I won't, I won't read through the entire first chapter, but we'll read it as we, as we work through the text here this morning. So go with me to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to dive in to today's message. God, we thank you for today and this opportunity to gather together as your church um, on this rainy, cold, maybe snowy day. Um, And Lord, as we do, as we gather here together, whether it be here in person or whether it be online, Lord, from the comfort of our couch, um, Lord, may we we be stretched, God. May this text uh, land on us in such a way that, that we begin to understand some of the things that you ask us to do and why you ask us to do them, Lord. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's almost certain that God will ask you to do something that challenges and stretches you out of your comfort zone this year. God, done, God has done this to me many times in the past. And one time in particular, um, this is just one time, there are many times, but one time in particular was when I was in seminary. In seminary, we had to take all kind of different classes. And, and one of the classes we had to take was an evangelism class. And in this class, we were required to present the gospel to 10 people. And to help us jumpstart this process, we uh, took a day as a class and we went out witnessing to, to different people. And so we partnered up with another person. And our goal for that day was for each of us to talk to three people, to have a gospel conversation with three people that day, which meant that because we we're partnered up, we, we needed to reach we, had to, we needed to talk to six people that day. And then when I talk about a gospel conversation, it wasn't just like we walked up to somebody and said, hey man, uh, you know, do you believe in Jesus? No, you don't? Okay. Um, oh, that, that's it. No, no, we had to like actually walk through the entire gospel presentation with them, talking about you know, sin and Jesus coming to pay the price for their sin and, and pressing them and asking them where they stood on all of these different ideas and thoughts. And so this was not just a, a quick 10 30 second conversation I'm talking like five ten minutes we needed to engage with someone and so my partner and I we decided that we were going to go to the bus station and train station in downtown Fort Worth you know there are a lot of people just standing around waiting for the bus waiting for the train uh, out there in the open and and so that's what we did we went to the train station and of course, we didn't know anybody at the train station, which meant that we had to walk up to perfect strangers 
and have this conversation that is a, a deep conversation. I mean, this is, this is, this, these are ideas that, that guide and direct your entire life. And so we had to walk up to people and we had to ask them what they thought about Jesus. If they've, if they've heard about the gospel and present the gospel to them and call them to believe. And now I love talking to people about Jesus, but walking up to perfect strangers is really not my cup of tea. I don't like just to walk up to perfect strangers and have these super deep, you know, life-changing conversations with them. I'll do it for sure, but, but it's not something that, that, that I just am just jumping to do. Um, but, but the Lord, through His sovereignty, had me take this class, and this is what, this is what we were doing. And so this, this was an opportunity for me to be stretched for me to be challenged out of my comfort zone. And God often does that. If you haven't experienced that, you will experience that. God will use circumstances to challenge and stretch you out of your comfort zone. Jonah, he's a good biblical example of someone God sought to stretch. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, we read this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, what, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now it might not be immediately apparent, but God is asking Jonah here to do something that he really does not want to do. God is seeking to stretch Jonah out of his comfort zone. God asks Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites. Now, the Ninevites, just to give you a little bit of a backstory on the Ninevites, the Ninevites, they were a brutal and violent people. History records it that one of their kings would, would like pull the lips off of the people whom he had conquered. Another one of his kings, Tiglath-Pileser, would actually flay people alive. And then he would take their skull and he would collect that in great piles all around his kingdom to show how great he was. Not only were the Ninevites barbarians, but they were also Israel's enemies. And as his enemies, Jonah did not want them to experience salvation. Rather, he wanted them to face God's wrath. He didn't want to go and, and preach the good news to them and have them repent and God's mercy be poured out on them. He wanted God's wrath to be poured out on these people who have been their enemies, who are barbarians, who have certainly attacked them, and they have experienced some of these things themselves. But that wasn't God's plan not at this time. Instead, God wanted Nineveh to hear the truth and he wanted Jonah to present the truth to them. Now, if you don't think this was something difficult for Jonah, just, just put yourself in Jonah's shoes. Um, think modern day times. Maybe, maybe think ISIS. You know, this brutal, barbarous people, right? Now, imagine God coming to you and saying, hey, I want you to go and minister to them. I want you to go and present the gospel to them. I want to see them saved as I use you as my instrument to do that. Imagine God coming and asking you to do that. Now, I, I, would, I would certainly be afraid on, on multiple levels, right? I would be, be afraid for my life as, as Jonah was probably afraid for his life. He's walking into an enemy city to present the gospel to them and to call them to believe. But there's also a part of me like Jonah that, that, that doesn't want God to save people like that. That, that, that. that wants to see God's wrath poured out on them. I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, you might feel that way as well. Now, admittedly, you know, someone like, like ISIS is, is distant from us. 
And many of us will, will never be asked to go and to minister to them, nor are we probably ever going to encounter anybody who is a part of, of them or, or sympathetic to them. And so let's bring this a little bit closer to home. When we are unwilling to go and speak in another person's life, then in some sense, we're operating like Jonah. In some sense, we, we hate them as well. We may not hate them as much as we hate a, a murderous, ungodly regime, but we hate them nonetheless. We don't love them as much as we love ourselves. And I believe that's the main reason that we don't speak into others' lives, whether it be for correction or whether it be for, for the gospel, uh, to bring that to bear in life is because we love ourselves more. We love our position we love our comfort, we love our status, we love life more than we, than we love another. And when we, when we say things like, I know that I should go and, and speak into that person's life, but I don't want to ruin my friendship with them. Or, you know, I know that, that I should engage my neighbor with, with the gospel, but, you know, things are going really well in my neighborhood and, and like we've got this good camaraderie and I don't really want to ruin things between us. When we say things like that, we aren't saying them out of love for our neighbor. Instead, we're saying them out of love for self. You see, when we prize self-comfort over speaking the truth to another, we don't love our neighbor. We actually hate our neighbors because we are leaving them to face God's wrath. When we think about it like that, all of a sudden, this story, it it becomes more real to us. It's not, a, it's not a story just solely for overseas missionaries who are called to go and reach these difficult people in these unreached areas that you can't really get. And if you get caught, you might get killed for being there. No, it is a story that impacts all of us as we seek to live on mission in our own community. And the story needs to be real to us and not distant so that it will impact us, so that it will propel us out into kingdom ministry. Now with that in mind, let's, let's continue in this story and let's see what happens and how God responds. And so what, is, what does Jonah do? Well, verse, tw verse 3 tells us that Jonah runs from the Lord. Jonah runs from the Lord. Look at verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, pinpointing the exact location of Tarshish is, is quite difficult. Um, it's not really a, a city on a map that we can look at and say, this is exactly where Jonah was trying to go to. Um, but, but many people think that it is as far away from Nineveh as you can get. He was going to the complete opposite end of the world to try to get away from what God is asking him to do. We can't read Jonah's mind, but, but we, but we, but we kind of can think that, that maybe Jonah is saying, look, if I can just get out of this area, God is not going to ask me to go. If I, would, if I can just get a far enough away, God's presence is not going to be there, and God is not going to require me to go and speak to the Ninevites. God may find somebody else, or God may just forget altogether what he has asked me to do, and the Ninevites are going to suffer God's wrath. And some of you might be thinking the same when it comes to something that God has asked you to do. Maybe it's a conversation with your neighbor or a family member about the gospel. Maybe it is, you know, a reconciliation that you need to seek. Maybe it is God calling you to ministry, whether that be lay ministry, 
right here in your own church, whether that be full-time or, or part-time ministry. Maybe God is calling you to be a missionary somewhere and you're thinking, no, God, I don't want to do that. And you just try to keep putting God off or you keep running from that, thinking that, that God is going to forget about those things. But you know, God often asks us to do those things because he wants to stretch us. He wants to stretch us out of our comfort zone. And running from God is not going to make his request go away. God's not going to give up on you just like he didn't give up on Jonah. He's gifted Jonah and he's purposed him to handle the situation in which he finds himself. And likewise, God has gifted you and he's purposed you to be used for kingdom ministry. And God is not going to give up on you either. If God has determined to use you, God is going to use you. God is going to intervene in your life just like God intervened in Jonah's life. And God can and will intervene in our lives in a number of different ways. And so how does God intervene? How did God intervene in Jonah's life? Well, the first thing we see is that God sends a storm. Look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Now, this, this storm that God sends is not just your average storm. This is not just this little bumps and in, in things in, in the sea, right? This is a huge, massive storm that keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie A Perfect Storm. It's, it's been a while. But if you've never seen that movie, just go and Google Perfect Storm, you know, movie poster, and you, you'll see kind of what I, I a picture is happening here. There's these massive, huge waves that are, that are threatening to, to break this ship up. And then you have these sailors who are seasoned sailors who are out on the high seas all of the time. And they're afraid for their lives. They're, they're throwing cargo overboard to lighten the load so they won't get dipped down into the sea and... and you know, washed under. They're praying to their gods, please save us, save us from this massive storm. And just as God sent a storm into Jonah's life to get his attention, God might send a storm into your life. You know, one that, that blocks your path, one that forces you to turn and to listen to him. And these storms could be a number of things. You know, maybe you fall ill and you're, and you're down and out for a while. Maybe you, maybe you lose your job. Maybe you have a bad day and nothing seems to be going right that day. The storms that God sends, I mean, it could be a number of things. And when something like that happens, we should ask, am I running from something that God would have me to do? Now, to be clear, that's not always the case. Just because something bad happens to you, just because you get sick and all of that stuff does not necessarily mean that you are running from something that God has asked you to do. Sometimes God just brings situations into our lives so that we might trust in Him and have more grow in our faith in Him. And He works through those situations in that way. We may not be disobedient, we may be being obedient to Him. And He just wants to continue to grow us through these difficult situations. Or, or we live in just a, a world that is wrought with sin. We, we don't live in paradise. We, we live in a sinful world and, and bad things happen to people who are following the Lord because we live in this sinful world. And so it might be the case that you are being disobedient and God is trying to, to halt your path and, and to draw you back and to show you, or it might not be. 
But when things get in our way, when things halt our progress, we, we shouldn't just think the world is messed up. We shouldn't just think, well, God is, I'm being obedient and God's just trying to grow my trust in him. These things could be the case. We shouldn't just think those things and write it off. Instead, we should also go and we should pray and we should ask God to show us if we are running from his will. If there's something that, that he wants us to do that we are not doing, that we are being disobedient in. Another way the Lord might get your attention is through other people. You see, God sends other people. And I'm not sure how it's possible, but, but as you read through the text here, you learn that Jonah is asleep. Jonah is below deck and he's sleeping. I mean, this massive storm is, is going on outside. It's, it's raging. People are throwing cargo off of the ship. They're calling out to their gods. They think that they're going to die. And Jonah is below deck, sleeping. The captain he gets wind of this and he's like, I can't believe this guy is sleeping. And so he, he runs below deck and he says to him in verse 6, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. You see, this captain, he realizes that all of the other people's gods on the ship are, are not acting. They're not, they're not saving them. Things are getting worse and, and worse and worse as people are calling out to their God. And so he, he realizes Jonah hasn't done this yet. And so he, he goes down and he tells him, look, man, you, you need to call out to your God. We're about to die here. If you don't want to die, wake up and start praying. And while it's not clear if Jonah prayed or not, what is clear is that God used these men to reveal to Jonah that he was displeased. Look at verse 7. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast, lot, cast lots, and, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has, has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And then verse 9, Jonah, he, he answers them. He's kind of outed here. And so he answers them. He said, Look, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the people in verse 10, they, they respond. The men were exceedingly afraid and said, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now in a moment we're going to get to what happens, but, but for now let me just say, God works through other people to reveal to you and to get your, your attention. What is taking place in your life? How you might be running from Him. How you might be sinning against Him. You know, this has definitely happened to me in a number of times throughout my life, but, but one time I remember distinctly when I was in college, I'd, I'd moved off to the University of Georgia midway through college, so I spent two and a half years at home getting my core classes and things like that out of the way, and then I, I transferred to the University of Georgia. And when I did, I got involved in, in, in the party scene there. And, and one night in particular, I'm, I'm sitting at the bar, I'm talking to one of my friends, and we're talking religion. And this guy was an atheist, and so I'm telling him why he should believe in Jesus. And in the course of conversation, I distinctly remember him looking at me and saying, you know, you're telling me about Jesus. You're telling me how, how Jesus is, is great and how Jesus is supposed to change your life. I don't really see a difference between your life and my life. You do exactly the same thing 
that I do. You live exactly the same way that I live. You value the same things that I value. And while I like to say that things changed that night, I can't, but what I can tell you is that God got my attention that night in that conversation. And he used that as a catalyst for future change in my life. And God may be speaking to you right now through through someone else. It might be a friend, it might be a, a spouse, it might be a coworker, it might be somebody in the community. God might be speaking to you right now. And God uses different people in our lives. It doesn't have to be the pastor coming and knocking on your door and saying, hey, I don't think you're living life right, right? That, that, that's probably not always going to happen uh, on an everyday basis. But, but we should have people on, on an everyday basis who are speaking into our lives. People that we know, people that know us, people that can speak into our lives and help us to see that what we are doing may not be right. You see, we need these everyday relationships. And when people come to us and, and they, they speak to us, they speak the truth into our life, we need to be willing to listen. We need to be willing to assess the situation. And, and let me just say, don't try to assess the situation right then and there. I mean, if the Lord convicts you, certainly, certainly repent. Certainly, certainly Praise the Lord for your brother or sister coming in and talking to you about what's happening in your life. But, but oftentimes, what's our first response? That's not me. I can't believe you're telling me that I'm doing these things. Don't, don't do that. Receive what they're saying. Take that information. Explore the scriptures. Spend some time in prayer. And if you would be so bold, even go and ask somebody else, hey, do you see this in my life as well because chances are if someone is going to come and they're going to they're, they're going to risk a relationship with you and they're going to speak into your life it's probably a pattern that other people are seeing as well and they're just not willing to speak up or they haven't got to the point yet where they're willing to do that and so don't assess right then don't immediately push back think that Go home, pray, ask other people, read the scriptures, and see God does use other people to convict us and to teach us. But God may not be using just circumstances or just other people to get our attention. God can use circumstances to get the attention of others. Let me show you what I mean. Verses 11 and 12, it says, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down to us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. And I don't know how Jonah knows this, but, but it seems that Jonah knows, look, if you just get me out of this boat, if you just hurl me into the sea, things are going to be good for you. Things may not be good for me. And you know, at this point, Jonah's probably thinking, I just don't want to go to Nineveh. I will do anything to avoid going to Nineveh, to going and preaching to them, right? I've tried to run. That's obviously not working. I can't get to Tarshish. There's no way. God is halting my progress here. I still don't want to go. Just cast me into the sea. I will certainly die. Cast me into the sea, he tells them. The people, I mean, they just can't believe what they're hearing. They're like, look, I mean, you know, Maybe we thought we could say something to you, but, but cast you into the sea. I mean, that's certain death. 
And they don't want to see this guy die. And so what do they do? Well, they, they throw some more car off. They're rowing as hard as they can. And then the sea just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's absolutely no way that they're getting back to dry land. And so instead of, of doing as Jonah instructed, they tried, but, but they couldn't. And eventually they realized that Jonah knew exactly what he was talking about. Jonah knew that they were not going to make it unless they got rid of him. You see, if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. There is no escaping God's will. God wanted Jonah to be dealt with in this situation, and there was no escaping God's will. And so they did as Jonah instructed. They threw Jonah overboard into the raging sea, and as, as soon as they threw him over, verse 15, the sea just calmed and quieted. I mean, imagine that. Imagine you are, you're fearful for your life. You're throwing all the cargo overboard. You're praying to your gods. Nothing's happening. Things are getting worse and worse as you're trying to row towards land. You've got this guy he's saying, look, just cast me into the sea and everything is going to be okay for you guys. And you finally do it. Crystal clear, smooth as glass, lake-like conditions right there in the sea. I mean, imagine seeing that. Imagine that being what happened. Now, these men are not the only ones who have seen God calm a perfect storm. In Matthew chapter 8, as Jesus and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee, something similar happens. This massive storm gets, gets going. Jesus is asleep, just like Jonah is asleep. The disciples come to Jesus and wake him up and ask him to save him. Let's see what what happens? Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 8, he says, Save us, O Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Well, I mean, boat's about to capsize, Jesus. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? Now, I don't believe this story was a coincidence. Instead, I believe that Matthew perfectly places this story in the gospel because it coincides with the Jonah account. It, it teaches us that Jesus is God. You see, that's what Matthew's trying to do. He's trying to show them that, that Jesus is God. Jesus is the God-sent Savior, and Jesus is God himself. And here we're seeing Jesus do exactly what God did in the book of Jonah, making those connections. You see, we see God calming the storm and Jesus calming the storm. And not only that, but we see Jesus' disciples marvel in wonder and worship, just like those in the book of Jonah. And back in the book of Jonah in verse 16, we're told the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And just as Jesus' disciples were driven to worship, the pagans in the boat with Jonah were driven to worship as well. And the most amazing thing is that, that all this happens through Jonah's disobedience. All this happens as, as Jonah is running from the Lord, as Jonah is fleeing so he doesn't have to go to another pagan nation and tell them about the gospel. And here we have a group of men who are certainly pagans, who, who all have different gods, praying to them, seeing that their God is not working, and realizing that 
The God that Jonah serves is the true God of the universe, and he is praying. They are praising him and worshiping him at this moment. See, God works in amazing ways. He uses us when we are not on our best behavior. He uses us when we are not articulate, when we cannot answer all the questions that people might have about us, when we can't handle those objections. God still uses us. Imperfect vessels. God uses us as His instruments to reach the world. Even the most crude instruments in the hands of a gifted craftsman can make amazing things. And we see that happening here. And we see that happening in our life. You see, our God is a powerful God. And He will work through circumstances and others, not only to call us back to Himself, but also to reveal Himself to those around us as He uses us as His instruments. And that should be encouraging because it not only means that, that God cares for us, but, but it also means that, that God can and God will and God does use us. And that should cause us to marvel just like the disciples and the sailors did when they encountered God. To know that, that God would use us, imperfect people, to reach other people, to speak into other people's lives, to help them grow in a relationship with Him. Man, that is simply amazing. But we see that God can, and God will, and God does do that. God working in our life should propel us out on mission. You see, we should want to be used by God as instruments because Jesus came for us. His sacrifice, His cross work is something that we should want to share with others. You see, Jesus, Jesus didn't have to come. Jesus could have, have left us in our sin, but Jesus did not do that. Jesus had compassion on us. Jesus cared for us. Jesus loved us and His love drove Him to leave His heavenly abode, to come to earth as a man, to live amongst all of this sin and to be nailed to a cross for us so that He might die in our place, so that God's wrath might be poured out on Him instead of us, so that He might act as our substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus came and did that for us. And we should want to go not, not because it's easy, but we should want to go because we want to see God's will done. We should want to share the love that Jesus has for us with other people. And because we want to share what Jesus has done for us. Let me read you this quote that I came across. It says, When our heart is gripped by the love of God poured out in the cross, and when we see the extent of that love and the propitiation by which Christ became the sacrifice for our sin, bearing wrath, entering hell for us, and when we are convinced that this Christ offers Himself in redeeming love to others who do not yet know Him, a passion will be lit in our heart to pursue a God-centered life, to pursue people on mission for God. You see, when God comes to us and God asks us to do those things that are difficult for us to do, and if He hasn't done that, He's going to do that. God is going to ask you to do difficult things. We should 
go. We should answer his call so that others might experience the same joy, the same peace, the same love that we have experienced from Jesus ourselves. When we, when we understand and we have truly, truly felt the love of God in our lives, when we come to understand the gospel and, and what is being offered to us and what Jesus has done for us and what we truly deserve, we recognize that, man. We should praise God. And we should want to be propelled out. We should be propelled out on mission as a way to call other people to Christ as well. See, when God calls us to go, we should go for the sake of others and their eternal destiny. Now, returning back to, to Jonah here, while the sailors, they cast him into the sea, which, which normally you get cast into this raging sea, normally means you're going to die, right? But, but here we see that God was not done with Jonah. Remember, he, was, he, he has a, a mission for Jonah, a mission that, that is designed to stretch him out of his, out of his comfort zone. And, and Jonah is going to complete this mission. God is going to make sure that Jonah completes this mission. Look at verse 17. Jonah is sinking down. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. You see, just as Jonah is sinking down to this, this watery grave, and we'll kind of get a little bit more into this next week. But just as Jonah is sinking to this watery grave, this great fish came, and this great fish swallowed him up, and it's this fish that makes it possible for Jonah to continue on his mission. After three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, I mean, how is this even possible? It's possible with the Lord. Jonah is spit out on the dry ground. And Jonah promptly goes to Nineveh. He didn't try to run anymore. And so we see that if God wants us to do something for Him, then we're going to do it. Even if He has to send a great storm and a whale into our lives. See, when God asks you to do something, even if it is uncomfortable and stretches you, don't run from it. Embrace it. God is, is not doing it to punish you. God is, is doing it to stretch you. He wants to see your faith and your knowledge in Him increase. He wants to see you being used as His instruments to accomplish His will. And God oftentimes has to stretch us in order to be able to use us in those ways. This year, we've got a new vision. We've got a new goal, right? We want to reach 10 through 1. Another way for us to be the church every day and everywhere, to, to sp something specific on that as we seek to accomplish our overall mission as a church. This year we want to reach 10 through 1. I know this vision is going to stretch you because it's going to stretch me. And we should allow it to stretch us. We should allow it to stretch us out of our comfort zone. We shouldn't run from it. We should embrace it. We should ask that God would use us as His instruments to reach 1, as we all seek as a church to reach 10. And that's how you can respond this morning. You see, if you're a believer, if you're a member of this church, you can submit to God. You can allow Him to stretch you out of your comfort zone and to be used as an instrument for Him. If you're not a believer, if you would admit that, that you are not a believer in Christ, that you are not a Christian, but you're here, you're watching online, you're checking Christianity out, you, you just say, 
Continue to, to press. Continue to go deeper. Continue to ask questions. Continue to search. And if you've seen the wonder of the gospel this morning, if, you, if you've seen God's mercy and His, and His grace at work this morning, now is an opportunity for you to turn, to submit your life to God, to praise and, and to worship Him like these sailors in this boat did and like the disciples did as well. To turn and, and to be a disciple and follower of Jesus. Those are the ways in which you can respond this morning. We're going to do that in just a minute. I'm going to pray. Scott's going to come up and lead us in song. We're going to have a time of response. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather as the church on this cold, wintry day, but a day nonetheless for us to praise and to worship you and to be challenged by you, Lord. God, we ask that you might stretch us out of our comfort zone, that you might continue to, to help us, Lord, as we seek to accomplish your mission, God. And Lord, if there is someone who is watching or someone who is here today who doesn't know you, Lord, we ask, God, that you might stretch them, that you might help them to see that Jesus truly is the Savior of the world, that salvation only is in him. God, in this we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.